0: Welcome to the Simplified Marketing Podcast. Straight-talking ideas to grow your business.
1: Hello and welcome to the Simplified Marketing Podcast, uh, the show that help, aims to help you uh, grow your business with helpful tips and advice. Thanks for joining us. If you're listening on iTunes, then please don't forget to uh, leave us a review. It's great to know what you think of the show, but also it helps us out uh, with more people being able to see things. Um, also as well, if you want to watch us uh, on Envision online, you can go to Marketing marketingsimplified.com. .co.uk, where you can find out more about us the show and also our contributors so my name is john lawley and i run a web and uh, marketing agency
0: and i'm georgia and i'm your brand and design guardian
1: now we're very privileged today to be joined by nigel topless from the barden group so nigel thank you very much for joining us pleasure um could you give us a bit more background about you and also where we are as well
2: not so, just your wardrobe no <laughs> not my wardrobe no absolutely um Pretty pricey, I guess. Um, I was born in Singapore, spent 18 years uh, out there, education and all that sort of stuff. Came back to the UK um, after I finished my A levels, went to college. Um, I wasn't particularly academic, but I managed to scrape through by the skin of my teeth and uh, and uh, all the rest of it. And after college, I uh, I joined uh, Allied Breweries, Allied Demek, as it were. So I worked in the in the brewery industry for a number of years, um, and then following that, I moved on to uh, Ladbrokes. So from booze to betting, always seemed like a, <laughs> a, pretty good, uh, a pretty good move. Um, worked there again for for a few years. Then I uh, went off to start my own business doing, uh, I suppose, uh, telephone line stuff. So, you know, you ring up a phone line, you pay a premium call uh, for a competition or commentary or whatever, that sort of thing. And then I was approached by a company called Callquick, which was a printing company. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I managed to get into there, worked uh, from the... Uh, I was a marketing manager at the time, uh, worked my way up to uh, eventually become managing director of, uh, of Callquick, which was fantastic, loved it. Um, it's a franchise business. I knew nothing about printing, I knew nothing about franchising when I started, uh, but the guy who ran it, uh, a guy called Moshe Gerstenhaber, fantastic uh, franchising individual, fantastic individual in his own right, uh, taught me everything I needed to know really about franchising. And um, and then the company got taken over, Moshe decided to retire, company got taken over. Um, we then merged with Pronto Prince. So I took over both businesses, ran that for two or three years. And then uh, a company called Recognition Express approached me and said, would I like to buy into the business and all the rest of it? And the time was right. I think Moshe had left. Things had changed, you know, new management, all that sort of stuff. And when, you, when you're when you in a small company like Corkwick, it was a big company in the franchise business, a big company in the, in the online printing business. But... Uh, it was quite small, you know, quite intimate. Uh, we were then part of a, a group that had 15 companies, um, and uh, and I felt the time was right to uh, to leave. So I joined, uh, joined Recognition Express at the end of 2002. Um, and uh, from there, we created the Barden Group, and we now have four businesses within the Barden Group. Um, we have Recognition Express. We have a company called Computer Explorers, which teaches kids between sort of two and a half and 13, all things to do with coding, programming, IT, that sort of stuff. We have a, uh, a company called TechClean, which, uh, which does system hygiene. So it goes into companies, particularly, and cleans laptops and cleans uh, keyboards and workstations and computer rooms and all that sort of stuff. In fact, you know, a room like this, for instance, we would, we would miss this um, and, and get rid of 99.9% of airborne bugs um, and that sort of stuff. And uh, interestingly, in 2011, I think it was, uh, we bought Callquick back. Wow. Okay. Uh, which was interesting. So that's where we are today. And as for as for this room, we're with a company called Unique, who are one of our major suppliers of clothing. Uh, very very good supplier. We use them a lot. Um, they're very reliable, um, and we're very grateful that they've uh, allowed us to use
1: today. Brilliant. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's just about the same size as my walk-in wardrobe. Oh, I
0: thought so, yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs>
1: yeah. So that's that's a really varied um, career in business. Um, what, what's been a I suppose the highlight of that?
2: Oh I think there've been a number of uh, of of highlights over the year. I think uh, you know right from right from the beginning you know to to work for a company like uh, Allied Breweries right at the beginning of my time you learned such a lot. They were a company who uh, a little bit like a, a football club who encourages young people, you know, yeah, you know, young trainees to come through and and all the rest of it. Allied Breweries are one of those people who gave you a lot of responsibility very young. But there was always a safety net of people around you, so they taught you a hell of a lot. We moved from department to department. There were a number of companies within our Breweries. So I moved uh, from Burton on Trent, which was the headquarters, I moved down to uh, down to Wessex, I moved into North London. I moved around quite a lot. They never caught me, fortunately. <laughs> um, and so, so that was as a highlight. I think with Labrooks, um, you know, I think to to work in a a sports environment um, is is fantastic. It's very fast moving. Uh, Things are happening all the time. You know, you're looking at the odds on on one hand, you're looking at putting adverts in on the other hand, you're looking at different types of promotion. And of course, the betting industry has changed dramatically. You know, a lot of uh, a lot of um, betting shops were not uh, the sort of places you'd you'd want to go. Uh, So we had a major expansion plan uh, to try and encourage people to go into betting shops, making them more uh, welcoming, more enlightening, encouraging more women, that sort of stuff now. You may say well you know we're trying to encourage people to, to gamble, people gamble so you want if they're going to gamble, you want to gamble in in a nice environment so uh, mm-hmm. so that was great and I managed to go to uh, a number of very major sporting events euro euro championships and uh, big race meetings and all the rest of it. so that was fantastic. Um, I think then when I joined uh, when I joined Koolquik, um Moshe really really did teach me about uh, about franchise about the essence of franchising um, about the fact that actually we're there to help people to create um, not just their, their, their own business, but their own dreams. Mm-hmm. You know, I think in, in Britain, particularly, a lot of people want to run their own business. There's a latent demand here for people to run their own business. You run your own business. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing like running your own business. Um, but I think a lot of people are, are scared of the risk involved. And, okay. And the fact is that you know, eight out of ten businesses fail in two years, but nine out of ten franchises succeed. So, so you know, there's there's a, there's a great uh, advertisement for franchising, so he taught me a lot, and I think my time there really set me up for the move to Recognition Express. Recognition Express started off by manufacturing badges; that's what we did. We started in 1979. We manufactured badges uh, for things like supermarkets, hotels, hospitals, those sort of things. But by the time I turned up in 2002, it was it was fairly evident that you couldn't continue to just be a one-product company. You had to move. So we uh, we went about reengineering the business moving it from a, a manufacturer and a supplier very much into a sales and marketing company, looking at different areas of uh, business. And we took the view that manufacturing badges was really about decorating something. So we're putting a name onto a piece of plastic or onto you know, a piece of aluminum or, or whatever. Uh, so why not get into other decorating things? So we got into promotional products, uh, particularly, so that's about putting a name, a logo, a saying, a statement on a, on a product. And then we got into clothing, which is much the same thing. And now we have, uh, we have eight different uh, income streams for for franchisees and i think that that's been uh, you know a testament to uh, to a lot of hard work from not just myself but actually from the team and also from franchisees who are willing to take on new ideas and drive them
0: well um, i know i had a burning question when i knew i was going to sure. be meeting you today so obviously um from my perspective i, I do brand that's what i help my clients with yeah. and obviously with you helping your clients um with growing their franchise businesses I'd love to know from your opinion how much you value brand within a company and obviously I know you with your marketing history as well you will have quite a lot of knowledge back there but your thoughts on um the importance of brand whether you're a franchise um owner or whether you're um, just a, a single business owner I'd love to hear your thoughts on that
2: well, I think I think brand is, is is critical I mean at the end of the day you know we all know the big brand companies out there don't we you know at the end of the day if you you know if you want if you want cornflakes, you you know, you have Kellogs. You know, whatever you might think of Kellogg himself, you you buy Kellogg's. You know, if you want a burger, you know, you go to Burger King or you go to McDonald's, those sort of things. I think brand, the thing about brand is what brand tells the customer is, is this is consistency. If you buy this product from this company, you will get this level of consistency. It it may not be the level of, of of product you want, but it's consistent, whether you're in Aberdeen or whether you're in Plymouth. It doesn't make any difference. So I think brand is about consistency. Brand is about uh, telling the customer what uh, a level of expectation. So I, I'm, I'm very, very big uh, on brand. and I think, you know, with our own brands, we're very, very keen that, that each of the brands in each sector uh, is considered best of breed. That's important to us. And, and because most of our brands are business to business, it's, it's about the delivery of the brand. I think that's important. So it's about the consistency of delivery. It's about it's about the relationships you build with the customers. That's what our brand value stands for.
1: And that was then obviously ties in with um, the franchise part of this, yeah. um, following a rules based system. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so it's, it's, and that was the the real reason then. Currently, now with owning and running so many different franchises,
2: yeah, I, I'm a I'm a great believer that if you run a business, you should try and have multiple income streams for a whole range of reasons. I mean, on on, on the one hand, you want to protect each side. So if one side not doing particularly well, the other side doing quite well, so you can you can cross uh subsidize each one. I think as as well that you know with franchising, the the thing about franchising is is that you should be able to to, to take a system uh and take um you know most people out of out of out of employment and provide them with that system and so long as they follow the system they will be successful. All right? The, the the thing about franchising is it's a it's a it's a it's a dichotomy franchising right nobody really wants to be told how to run their business. And at the end of the day, the franchise is their business. You know, it's not, it, we own the brand, we own the trademark, we own the license, we own the system, but actually at the end of the day, it's our franchisees' business. And I've always made the point to my team and to the franchisees, it's not our job to tell franchisees how to run their business. It's our job to advise them the best practice of running their business. So you have this, 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 this dilemma. On the one hand, you want franchisees to go, right, I'm going to do one, two, three, four, five. Right, but actually, you want them to do one, three, five, seven. So okay, you agree on one and three, and you agree on five. So I need to encourage them to do two and four. How am I going to encourage them? I'm not going to tell them to do. They're not members of staff. I'm going to show them that somebody else is doing two and four, are doing better in that area than they're doing. So maybe don't do seven and nine. Do two and four. Try it. Give it a whirl. You know, that must
0: it's a balancing be- act, isn't it? I <laughs> it, is. I it is. Absolutely.
1: Because yeah. that must be that must be a very interesting aspect of it because. You know, if you're the franchisor, you have numerous franchisees, yeah. you're not their boss, nope. they have their own business, yeah. but you have to get them to follow yeah. the, the whole routine, otherwise the brand yeah. of, of the actual company wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily work. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Fra- good franchising, I always say this, you know, I've written hundreds of articles, and I always start the same, the articles are same. a good franchise is a marriage. I have 110 spouses. <laughs> right. Well, fact of life. It's a lot of birthday cards. It's a lot of birthday cards. Yeah. No, but you do because, because it, it, the relationship is is that close. If it's good, it should be that close. Does that mean we all get on really really well all the time? No. Doesn't mean we don't argue. No, of course not. We challenge each other. But the thing about being in a marriage is that you try and work to a common goal, and that's the essence of good franchising: is to work together. And and as a franchisee's relationship with the customers is paramount to their business the franchisor's relationship with the franchisee is paramount to the franchisor's business and the franchisee. And there's absolutely no no doubt, if you look at those franchisees, not just in my own franchises, but you look at all the other ones, right? Those that do really, really well are those who have the closest relationship with the franchisor. Does that mean all franchisors are great? No. There There are examples of franchisors who should not be in franchising. Does it mean all franchisees are great? No. There are people who come into franchising who... Sometimes they're buying a job. They shouldn't be in franchising. You want something more than someone who wants a job. You, want, you don't want an entrepreneur. Can I just say that? You know, with all due respect to someone like Alan Sugar, to someone like Richard Branson, they would not make good franchisees. They would want to be the franchisor. They want to do things their own way. They have a little bit of a maverick street and that makes them entrepreneurs. What you want is, is someone who's a, an, an enterpriser. Right? Someone who will take the system and mould it to their own way. Right, but use the essence of that system to be successful.
1: I was going to ask what makes a good franchisee, yeah. but I think you, you've covered yeah. those. Yeah. That ticks box.
2: But how do, you,
1: how do you find new franchisees then? How do, who stands out as someone who would be? Mm. You,
2: if you get the answer to that question, you, know. will you let me know. But is there a strategy? Is there yeah. a, a, a way within your business that you, you work through that? We think so. You know, we've been quite successful, you know, as I say we we have we have uh, you know one hundred and ten hundred and fifteen franchisees now uh, across the four brands. Um, have we always been successful? No. Have we sometimes recruited people who've turned out to not be right for the business? Yes, whose fault is that? Ours, not theirs. never their fault because we should not have brought them in uh, for whatever reason. Um, and and I don't think we've ever brought somebody in who we've known in advance would not be right for the business. We you know it just happens. That, that they've turned out not to want to work for themselves or work on their own. I had I had a very good franchisee many years ago uh, who came to me after 18 months or so. He'd left his, his previous employee. Part of the reason he left was he he felt he'd reached a glass ceiling. He was bored with the environment. He didn't like the bureaucracy, yada, yada, all those sort of things, right? Wanted to work for himself, wanted security, wanted to uh, be rewarded for his own efforts, all the right things. Um, and he came to me one day and we sat down and, and, and chatted and uh, he said, I've got an issue. I said. What is it for? And, you know, you, you, you've done reasonably well, first 18 months, you, you, you're on target. He said, I'm so lonely. And, and, and you, you need to understand that, you know, we think of franchises as being McDonald's, right? You know, and people like that, you know, huge companies. Most, most franchises are small. Most franchises run, run one, two, three man bands. That's the way it is. And he was lonely because he had no one to talk to, he had no one to bounce ideas off, apart from the franchise franchisor, but in his everyday life. And he worked in an office, uh, in a in a small a small environment, there were half a dozen other offices, uh, but most of those people were out and about. He never saw anybody. And in the end, he left because he was actually uh, he was actually personally miserable because he didn't have a contact. And you know what? He went back to his old company. Wow. He went back to the place that he left because he knew them, he felt comfortable, you know, it was like a like a jacket around his shoulders. You know, that happens. You know, how do we group franchisees? I can tell you, 25 years ago we used to do lots of exhibitions. Uh, franchise exhibitions, you know, where you would get, you know, 10, 12,000 people coming over two or three days. Um, they'd come to your stand. You'd have a chat to them. You may organize one-to-one meetings, maybe discovery day and all that sort of stuff. Um, over the years, I felt that exhibitions, been, there's been a proliferation of, of exhibitions. So therefore, there's been a dilution of it with the number of people. They become very expensive. Um, I don't think the uptake has been anywhere near what it was when I first started. Um so we, we moved, you know, as well into, into magazines uh, and all the rest of it. Magazines are quite good, but of course, magazines, if you pick up a, a franchise magazine, uh, there'll, be, there'll be some good editorial there, no doubt about it. But there's also advert after advert after advert after advert. So apart from designing the ad to stand out, mm-hmm. you know, there's not a lot you can do because you're, you're against all advert after advert after advert. And these days now we use online portals for the most part. Uh, we still do a little bit of press advertising. We still do the odd uh, exhibition now and again, but for the most part, we advertise on uh, on portals. And I think there are three types of people who, who who you're looking for. There's those people who understand a little bit about franchising, right? Want to get into a franchise, know that they they would be quite good in a franchise, so they look for something franchising, right? Uh, so they might go to an exhibition, they might pick up a magazine, they might uh, they might go onto a portal, they might uh, look at the BFA website, those sort of things. They're the easiest group, but of course they're the very smallest group, and everybody in franchising is targeting those people. Then there's another group um, of those people who want to work for themselves, but are not quite sure how to go about doing it, right? They've never really um, understood about franchising, they've probably never even heard of franchising, um, but they want to work for themselves. They're a more difficult group to get a hold of, but you need to try to get hold of those people, because they're the, I think they're the, the, the richest field out there. And then there's a whole range of other people who frankly, you don't want to get hold of. And, and you know, it, it, at times in a lot of exhibitions, you get what I would call tie kickers, people who are professional exhibition goers who just come along and go, oh, yeah, I'll go and talk to them. And, I, and I'll nick the mug and I'll nick the pen and all, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. You just don't want those sort of people. You really want to be targeting those people who want to work for themselves or who understand uh, franchising. That's
1: I, there's loads of really interesting points there. I think so we we just recently done an episode. Um, I'm, I'm sure that the two of us can can associate with the the loneliness mm. within Most business. definitely. Yeah. Um, and uh, one of the previous episodes that we have done, um, two young guys uh, in fitness training business. Mm. Their whole strategy is about keeping people engaged. You're not yeah. by yourself. You're within a group of people. Absolutely. And that helps people stay with them, doesn't mm-hmm. it, for a, for a long amount of time. Um, but, but I suppose the motivation for people to be stepping out, moving out from their own business or a comfortable environment mm-hmm. to want to do something which is undoubtedly going to be difficult yeah. but rewarding at the same time. Yeah. Which I imagine, you know, running a business, running a franchise is mm-hmm. that. And maybe a lot of people don't realize actually how many franchises are out there.
2: Listen, I mean, there, there are more people employed in franchising than, than there are in the armed forces put together. Wow. Right? Over 700,000 people are there. It turns over something in the region of 17 billion a year. Right. Um, now, I'm sure one of the questions you're going to ask me is, who is the minister for, for franchising? <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I don't That's think there is one. <laughs> no. Is there a minister for small business? I'm not sure there is. And if there is, I don't know who there is. Um, is
1: it all rolled up into enterprise? But yes. Well the, 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 the issue
2: is look, there's there's what 4.5, 4.85 million small businesses out there, small medium-sized businesses out there, however you define an SME and, and, and there are various definitions of it. Um we you know we're a nation of shopkeepers. We we are a nation of small, medium-sized businesses. We should have more emphasis in that area. I mean, I get on my hobby horse and 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 I talk about, you know. Where is it? Where's the interaction with government? Where's the interaction with local government? You know, where's the interaction with, with universities and, and, and all the rest of it? I, I sat down 20 years ago this year with uh, Lancaster University and helped them write a franchise elective. It's been going for 20 years. I go and lecture there every year uh, and, and all the rest of it to a whole range of students, which which is fantastic, and, and we get great response and, and so on and so forth. Although I have to say, every year I go, I'm a year older and the students are, students are the same age, which is really, <laughs> really weird uh, as an experience. But, but you know, how many universities are, are promoting franchising? How many career advisors will sit in front of, of a kid and go, you know, one thing you should look at is maybe look at working for yourself, you know? Maybe you should, should look at franchising, you know? Maybe you should look at something that's gonna help you to, Build a business within a certain, within a certain uh, parameter. So, you know, they help you to build a business, not leave you on your own. I mean, it, 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 it drives me insane, I have to say.
0: That's such a fantastic point. I've been out of uni 10 years, so things may have changed ever so slightly. I know. (laughs) I just realised the joke. But um, when I look back and I think when I was coming towards the end of my degree um, and I did graphic design and it was all go and get a job in an agency, go and get a job in an agency, there was never the conversation with the lectures, or anything, you know, maybe you could start something yourself. Maybe you could go and, um, you know, talk to the the likes of the call quicks and things as well to, you know, get, get some positions, get some experience, to learn to maybe one day um, be a part of a franchise or to go your own direction with business. It was all about job, job, job. Yeah. And that's why so many of my friends, even five years later, um were were facing sort of very depressive states because they couldn't find jobs and they didn't even think in their heads, you know what, why don't I start something myself? It just wasn't the conversation.
2: But if you've never been told, if you've never, if you've never had that avenue open to you. Um, you don't have a chance, do you? Yeah. So, you know, you're 18, 20, 22, whatever, whatever age it is, whether you're leaving school or whether you're leaving university. Um, and and the people you look up to, your advisors, right, don't mention franchising. Why would you go into it? There's there's absolutely yeah. no reason to. You know, how many universities would bring along a franchise company uh, and talk about the essence of franchising? What's all about? What do you get out of it? You know, what are the benefits of it? You know, and all that sort of stuff. Where are the banks putting the money behind behind helping young people to get into a franchise? Uh, now, the banks are very, very good. I have to say we have a very good relationship with the banks. They, they, they fund uh, you know, up to 70% of the loan, you know, all that sort of stuff, which is really, really good. But that's okay if you, you know, if you are of a certain age, you've got a certain amount of money yourself, you've saved up enough, so you can provide the other 30%. What about the 22-year-old straight out of university who's got drive and ambition and, 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 and all those sort of things, you know, has a certain set of skills, who wants to open their own business, right? and they've got nada. Where do they go? Apart from mom and dad? They don't go anywhere. So they have to go and get a job, when actually they've got all the, the right personality to go and work for themselves, and we're missing those people. And those people could be the people who, who, who are a catalyst for, for the economy. I mean, I wrote a paper called, you know, about, about economic regeneration using franchising. What better way than to get local people to, 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 to build their own business, employing local people, sourcing local product? Fantastic, but you know. Look, we keep trying. We keep trying, we Absolutely. keep pushing. This
1: sounds like we could have a bonus episode. <laughs> on the cards, I think, on, on this subject. Um, I'm, I'm sorry to take things back, but um, let's talk a bit more about the, the different businesses. Yeah. Um, then. So, for example, in my from working in the West End, my first touch point then would have been with Corquick. It would. Um, on Great Titchfield Streets. Um, still going. It's still
2: going. It's still going. Nearly it's still going, 40, 40 years old now. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: One of my first jobs in central London from 2005 uh, was working on Great Changefield Street, where the Core Quick opposite. Yeah. And it used to be the place that you could just you come out if you needed anything printed yeah. or quickly cross the road. Push, Absolutely. All of yeah. out for you within a few seconds. Yeah. Whether you needed to do a presentation or whether you had a handout that you needed to sort out sure. for someone who was there. It's convenient, nice brand. Um, always stood out, I think, from the rest of the, the shops on the street. Mm-hmm. Except yes nice and tight yeah. and professional.
2: Yes. Yeah. And we and we moved the brand on obviously over the years you know we changed we changed the colour slightly and all the rest of it, but 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 the essence was always to to maintain that that brand visibility because it's not it's not simply about encouraging people to come into into the shop and let's be frank about it in the in the 80s a lot of people would would, would come in you got a lot of footfall. Nowadays fewer people come in but the brand the brand being there means so much because all the businesses see the brand. They may not come in they may 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 phone up they may do an email. They may send a WhatsApp, right? But they can see the, the brand. It, it's highly visible. And Great for Street is, is a fantastic example. I mean, as I say, been going for nearly forty years. Same owner. Uh, the staff have changed a little bit, um, but but uh, still, people have been there for many many years and still do a fantastic job for their customers.
1: And then, I suppose later on in my own business career, the
2: next touchpoint would have been Recognition Express. An in, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting comparison because Recognition Express and Call Quick, strangely enough, started at exactly the same time. They both started in 1979. Uh, both of, of, of these brands uh, have won the British Franchise Association Franchise of the Year. Um, they both basically do branding. Uh, one does ink on paper, which is which is Call Quick. One does ink on things like mugs and pens and, and, and those sort of, of things. Uh, so one is very much, you know, um, about specifically looking, looking at uh, communication tools, direct communication tools. The other one is much more about providing a brand recognition, um, as it were. And yes, as I say, we started off um, making badges, uh, which was uh, you know, many, many, many years ago. Um, and, uh, and over those years, we, we've, uh, we've got into you know, a lot of very big companies. I mean, obviously, British Airways, for example, we do all their badges worldwide which is fantastic, and, and it's a complicated badge, let me tell you, um, but, but we do. And even now, we still do some of that 30% of our business in badges. And, and the badges themselves have changed. In, in the old days, of course, we used to have a piece of plastic, we used to engrave the badges. We still do some engrave badges, but most of all, we, we now dome them, we put a nice filling on, so, so they, they last longer, and they're harder-wearing. And all And most recently, we have developed a badge made out of wood. So in, in this era of, of you know, becoming green, and all the rest of it. Uh, the wooden badge, I think, is is where that that particular sector is going to go. But yes, we've developed the the business very much into into promotional products and clothing and all that sort of stuff. So now you can you can put your name, your brand, your logo, whatever you want, on on a whole range of of uh, of things. You know, be it be it a mug that is not you know green, or or even a, a bamboo pen. You know, uh, you can you can do a whole range of different uh, different. Um, and I
1: love I, it's a reference early on which I didn't. I don't think I, I mentioned, but I was trying to pick up on um, when you said that's so a recognition express and the why behind that mm. brand is basically to decorate yeah. an item. Yeah, which I think is, a, is an amazing way of seeing mm. it. It's not just mm. well, here's your logo on something. We're
2: decorating this for you, personalizing well, it. Well, what you, what you have to remember is that it's it's no point it's no point just sending out a pen to a customer. If you send out a pen, it has to be for a reason. You have to want that customer to engage with you. You want the customer to retain. That pen, because it has your 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 name on it. So you you need to you need to make it impactful, not just stick a name on and hope for the best. You need to make it impactful. Whether that's you know whether that's um, through it being uh, biodegradable or or whether it is to do with the colours used, whether it's full wrapping, whether it's in in light metal, whatever it happens to be, it needs to be memorable. You want people, you know, to remember the people who've given you that gift. And, and interestingly, most people who are given a, um, a promotional product, we call them promotional product, right, uh, will retain that product. They don't throw them away. But of course, the more impactful it is, the more, I always I always say, think of the big I. The big I is intimate. The more intimate you can be, I'll give you an example, these, these mugs as an example. Yes, thank all you right? very much. No, monks, no, I great. mean, it's fantastic. You know, this has got your name on it, which is great, right? And, and you'll take it away and you'll use it and all the rest of it. If I wanted to get into, into your company, to sell products. What I would do is I'd ring you up in advance um, and I'd pretend to be some sort of researcher and I'd say listen John do you, do you um do you drink coffee or tea and you go uh, well yeah I drink I drink tea and uh, and it's blank no sugar. Um I go oh that's fantastic and what I would do is is I would have put a mug here that says John's mug right tea no sugar and on the back here I'd have put my own brand and all the rest of it. And then I would have I would have rung you up a few days later and said John did you get the mug? Fantastic, thank you very much. I said, Well, I'll tell you what, I've got the tea back with me. Can I pop in for a meeting? Now, the fact is, you may or may not have a meeting with me, but I've got a relationship with you straight away because you've got my mug. I've now got the tea. You've taken a call from me. I've made that advance. By the way, best marketing t- tool ever, ever created, that is, without doubt. I once had a 69% appointment rate out of 100 people by sending mugs. Fantastic.
0: It's incredible. Yeah,
2: but they have to be personalized. Hmm. That's the key thing about, you know, the more intimate you can be with your customers. The greater the relationship, the stronger the relationship, the more lasting the relationship. And with Recognition Express particularly, it's all about relationship. It's all about building that that understanding with customers.
1: And I like the way that you've researched the person first before targeting. Yeah. I, Absolutely. I think in, in a in a digital world where people are obviously trying to, to make new connections all the time, yeah. there can be a lot of distance. Yeah, And the personalization mm-hmm. of actually sitting down and talking to someone, having thought, thought through how are you going to take your foot through the door to begin with? Yeah. Is, is
2: it's a skill that we're losing? Um, I, think, I, think it, I think it is a skill. I think many people now complain about the fact in this digital aid, people are not great one-to-one communicators. Um, I don't know how, how true that is. I mean, it's, it's an opinion. Um, we, one of the things we look for with, with, with uh, prospective franchisees is apart from being focused and driven and you know, all that sort of stuff, is they've got to be people people. They first of all have to be people, because we're in the people business. You know? we're, not in, we're not in the commodity business. I'm not going to send you something and say, look, the, you know, this is 10p or whatever it is, because there's someone out there who will do it for nine, rest assured. Right? You can always find a product cheaper. That's not difficult. But to find someone who cares about your business, who will help you in your business. You talked about small business. I'll just go back a little bit. One of the things I also say to, to my friends, use me as a non-executive director. And I always think all small businesses should have a non-exec director. You don't have to meet them every week; meet them twice a year. But someone to take you out of your comfort zone and say, "Hmm, "Have you have you done that? Have you thought about that?" Right? Because you won't do it yourself. You haven't got the time. And it's the same with, with with franchisees. You know, I I go out two or three times a week, every week, right, meeting franchisees to talk about their business, to talk about what's going right, what's going wrong, the things they should do, the things they shouldn't do. You know, why things have succeeded, why things maybe haven't succeeded. But just to take them out of the business, just for a couple of hours, right? To make them look over the business rather than work in the business. And I think that's important.
1: So I, I, was, I was watching The Crown in the other yeah. day, which, you know, I I'm Many like people it. do. Okay. Many people do, yeah. I mean, I've that's, that's not that's a, not a bad thing. Maybe not, it's good. Mm-hmm. i recommend it. Um, Netflix. Um, so <laughs> there was one particular episode with the Duke of Edinburgh. It's it's around about the moon landings. Mm-hmm. So the Duke of Edinburgh is getting really upset because he feels he's getting middle aged and old and useless, etc., having his midlife crisis. Um, but he is dying to meet the three astronauts mm-hmm. who just landed on the moon, and he has a royal visit and has fifteen minutes alone with them. And he has so many questions about, you know, what's it like? What's this happened? How do you do this? You know, what were you feeling? And they, in 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 the dramatization, they turned around to him and said, "Look, we didn't have time for any of that." we were following this checklist, this checklist, this checklist, this checklist, to make sure that the mission was a success. Mm. And they were chosen specifically because they followed everything, they didn't deviate, and everything was perfect, mm-hmm. and all the way up and back down, and no one got killed and lost, et cetera, so mm. it was the perfect mission. So that, is, is, is there something in that then with a franchisee? Would you be able to put someone into CoreQuick and move them to Recognition Express and vice versa? Or is it a different personality that needs to, to work in a different brand?
2: Um. Five questions. Yeah, I I think first of all, there's no doubt that that um, all good franchises have a system, a proven methodology of doing business. That's the first thing to say. Uh, The second thing to say is that, and I'm talking about my businesses. I'm not talking about you know a a, um, other other businesses that might sell food and all that sort of stuff. Uh, But in my businesses, um, our businesses are, are about relationships. So the rules, if you like, the, 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 the system, the processes um, are, if you like, a, a, an envelope, right? But within there, you need to form the relationships how you form them. You need to have your own personality, right? So there is flexibility within the system, right, to build those relationships. So it's about using the rules, right, to structure what you do, right, but then using your personality to develop the relationships. That's the key thing. People buy from people. Always have, always will. Right? It will never change. I promise you, it'll never change. People buy from people, so so you need to have a a, a personality. You need to be engaging. You need to be you need to have a sense of humour. You need to, you need to understand what makes other people tick. You know, you may or may not be interested in fishing, but if you go into a company where, where the guy's got a you know a, a, a ten pound carp that he's, he's, he's on the on the wall that he he's uh, he's you know, uh, got two weeks ago, you're going to mention it. You know, you're going to mention the things that are important to them do a bit of research on the company, understand a little bit about the company before you go in there. Those are the rules, right? But when you're in there, it's a personality. It's about engaging straight away, right? So I think you do need, you do need uh, rules. You need personality. You need to build a relationship. Those are the key things that, that drive a successful franchise.
0: Clearly, you're very much a people um based person and business owner which i absolutely love i'd love to know though um obviously with call Quick and recognition express and also you touched on um the other franchises that you you run in education as well is there any other industry that you'd love to sort of tap into just as a, from a personal perspective putting the, the people to one side but an area you feel you'd love to explore
2: do you know? And we've been we've been very very lucky that we we've we've got four businesses. I mean, we bought we bought TechClean as an example um, only a few years ago, two or three years ago, uh, and it was a it was a business that had been, shall we say, um, left alone for a long time, as it were. So we had a a, a big rebuilding exercise, um, and looking at 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 our own experience, we wanted to establish that as best in breed. We wanted to have multiple income streams. So instead of just going in and, and, and cleaning, if you like, phones and and, and things, uh, we now we now do a whole range of different things. We do data centers and 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 studios and data rooms and all that sort of stuff. And we also do demisting and and so on. So we've introduced multiple income streams. Uh, so we've been very lucky that we've, when we've taken a business, we've we've been able to expand the the opportunity within that business. Um, I've looked at a whole range of different businesses over time. Uh, I've looked at things uh, to do with caring, um, mm-hmm. but that's uh, that's a minefield from a legal point of view. I think you know it really is. I think some people are very very good at it and they do a very very good job. Um, but I think from our point of view, that's probably not where we want to go. Um, I've looked at pets. I think pets is good. Mm-hmm. I think pets is good. I would I would not uh, I would not be opposed if a business um, was on the market. Um, would I Would I look at it? I would certainly look at it. I think that's a very, very good market. We love our pets more than anything else. We'll spend more money on our pets than we do on our children, for goodness sake. You know? it knows. It, it's, absolutely true. it's absolutely true. So there are a number of different uh, different sort of uh, pet uh, ideas out there that uh, that do well. So that's probably one area I would look at. I, there are certain areas that, that just don't fit with my own persona. Um, as it were, you know, I wouldn't go into the food industry. I wouldn't go into the caring industry, not because they're not good. They're very, very good. They're very successful. just doesn't suit my own persona. And I think we, we need to be true to ourselves. When I talk to a pr- prospective franchisee, or I talk to a prospective franchisees, just generally not about my own brand, I say, look, uh, first of all, right, determine what you've got to spend. Don't overspend on a business because you'll always be in trouble. Secondly, and most importantly, do something you want to do. Right? You're not buying a job. This is not nine to five. This is 24 7, 52 weights of the year, probably for the next 20 years. So you've got to love what you do. You know, if you want to be outside and you want to be driving a van, do it. You know don't be inside, you know, right, working on cash flows and all that sort of stuff. It's not your business. Do what you want to do. So I think with ourselves, it's the same thing. Something that, that you know kind of fits with me and I can get emotionally involved in, I would look at, yeah.
0: And this almost comes back then sort of full circle to what we spoke about, the university students who mm. go and study something that they're passionate about mm. and come out really wanting to do the thing they love, yeah. right, but then feel, right, I need to start paying my rent, I've got these bills to pay, I, my student loan is completely gone, mm. um, and they end up having to go down another um, route in life and never get to do what mm. they were passionate about because yeah. they didn't realise there was options. Yeah. So,
2: and, and, you know... Franchisors, by and large, are very flexible. You know, I'll say this live on your program, right? If if there is a university out there, a business school out there, who want to set up a franchise on campus or with their students, all right? I'll do it for free. I'll give them one for free.
1: Okay, that's a challenge. I yeah. have a lot of uh, yeah. contacts in the student no, world. Seriously, we'll
2: seriously, but they've got to do it properly. They've got to do. It. They've got to do it properly. You know, they've got to set it up as a franchise. Right? Not as, as some sort of gimmick. Uh, and I always thought it'd be very sensible. You, know, you set something up whereby, whereby you say, right, it's gonna be run by first year students. And when the first year move on, the next first year students take it over. And the money that they've made in the first year goes to the students, right? Uh, they need to run it as a proper franchise. You could do that. You could set up a franchise uh, for free, right? And can you, imagine, can you imagine how much that's going to galvanize the students? They're gonna run a business mm-hmm. properly, not just through theory. Not just through research, but they're actually going to run it. They're going to make money out of it, right? They're going to develop it, right? They're going to add value to it because, rest assured, students you know, will add value to that business. They'll come back to the franchise and say, you know what? We think it would work better like this or work better like that. We'll say, fantastic. We'll put those into the pot. When the next year comes on, well, we'll do the same thing again. It's that thrill.
1: Or, well, I don't know if it was just me, um, but the thrill of actually you know, starting out with the business that you've created, mm. whether it's a franchise or whichever business it is, but then making the sales mm. and seeing the sales start coming in Absolutely. is the real thrill I found. Yeah. Yeah. And as soon as you know, things are working. Yeah. The oil, the wheels of the machine start to mm. turn.
2: Yeah, well, there's there's nothing in business quite like satisfying the customer. Mm. And when you satisfy the customer, you do that through making a sale. Yeah. Right. And if the customer's satisfied... You're going to get a financial reward. But more importantly, I think, even than the financial reward, is you're going to get the relationship, which means you're going to get repeat business. Yeah, And that, that I think is more true. I think you're right. Making a sale is, is great. And, it, and it, it's, it's kind of a short term buzz. But the long term buzz is having that relationship with someone where you know that when they have a conference or an exhibition or they're launching a new product, they're going to come to you. You're their first port of call. Why? Because they trust you. It's not because you're cheaper. You may or may not be cheaper, but they trust you, they like you, they understand you. More importantly, you understand their business, you care about the business, so that you know, it fits together. And that, I think, is a bigger thrill. Wonderful.
1: So um, we, we, could, we could probably be here for hours, I think,
2: discussing it. Thank you very
1: much for your time. Pleasure. Do, one last question. Um, if you could have that time machine and travel back in time to find that younger you, what would be the one piece of advice you would
2: give to that young man? Uh, I'm not going to be particularly innovative about this. I think, I think you need to recognize that people who've been around for, tar- for a long time have experience of life. Um, if you can get more experience of life when you're younger and match that with the energy of being younger, you'll be more successful more quickly. Brilliant. Yeah.
0: That is brilliant.
2: Thank you very much
1: for your time. Pleasure. really enjoyed it so don't forget um, if you're listening online please get to the website marketingsimplified.co.uk where you can find out more about Nigel and his business thank you
2: thank you thanks very much
0: that's all for this time but don't worry we'll be back with more soon stay tuned for new episodes at marketingsimplified.co.uk